Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Well, good morning, Second Service. How's everyone doing today? Glad to be in church. We're glad to have you. Super glad you're here. You know, Jesus was the one that said, the harvest, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You know, all throughout time, we've never had a harvest issue. We've only had a laborer issue, meaning this, there are, there are more people who would get saved right now than there are people to lead them to Christ, which is why we're doing this in Steel Internship Program. So listen, if you've got young people at home, they're just going to be sitting at home all day playing video games or watching, you know, daytime TV, this would be a good opportunity for them to get into We're building and training the next generation of leaders in the body of Christ. And so I'm super excited about it. Uh, You can find more information about that out at the outlet. These guys will tell you. Go see anybody on the youth ministry team, and uh, they'll share more about that. I am, I cannot believe that next weekend is 10 years as a church. Oh my goodness, 10 years. I mean, I feel like we just started this thing. Yeah, you can celebrate that. Amen. All right, so I'm going to give you a little ground rules. If you're, if you're new at your place, church, if one person claps, we all clap, all right? That's just how it works. Otherwise, that one person's like, oh, yeah, oh, <laughs> you know? So it's just, it helps us all feel like a church that's like family, like, we don't even know why we're clapping, but we're clapping. Do that. That's just the way we roll around here. Um, today is week five of our series, Asking for a Friend. And uh, we, we texted out, I didn't I say text, it was that same number. We put that number on the screen several weeks ago, and we said, listen, bring us your toughest questions. Like, we're ready. We're, we don't say we know all the answers, but we will sure research, study, ask around, find as many of the answers as we can. And we have had some good ones during these, this series. Uh, week one, why aren't my prayers being answered? I feel like we've all asked that a time or two in our faith journey. And so we tackled that one on week one. Week two, um, how do we know this is all even true? Like, how do we know that we're serving like a real God? How do we know that the word is true? Like, how do we know where this all comes from? And so we tackled that one. Week three was kind of our, our, our spicy talk and the aspect that um, how do I talk to my kids about medical marijuana, the LGBTQ plus situation, transgender, transsexual. We tackled that one on week three. And then last week, we talked about practices that we see in the Bible like slavery and polygamy and women hating and stuff like that. We're like, what the heck? Does God hate women? And uh, we found out last week that no, that wasn't God. That was his fallen creation that, uh, that actually kind of instituted some of that activity. So we've, we've had some great questions throughout the whole series. And today's questions equally as great. Um, here's a question. We've been talking about death recently just because a friend of mine has a family member who's making a funeral list Um, When that time comes, when we take our last breath, do we wake up in glory? Or is it like how 1 Thessalonians says, the dead in Christ shall rise first? People are interested in eternity, like what's going to happen when this thing's all said and done. Uh, Another one came in and says, what does it mean when it says, all are called but few are chosen? Uh, And then the third question, I'm actually bringing another question back from week one. How do you witness to someone that you're extremely close to, such as a spouse, 
who has not been in church all their life and is not very open-minded about God or coming to church? Again, great question. And so here's what I've realized by a lot of the questions. People are thinking about eternity. They're thinking about their loved ones, and quite honestly, we don't want our friends and family to go to hell. We want everybody to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so we want to spend a few minutes talking about how do we minister? How do we witness? How do we explain eternity? What do we do? How do we pray for people like this? And so we're going to talk about that today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for the Holy Spirit that is leading us, that is guiding us, that is directing us. Lord, we're so thankful for your word. You did not leave us with just a bunch of empty blanks. Father, you have given us everything that pertains to life and to godliness, and we lean into that today. We lean into your word today, and we allow your spirit to just lead me today. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was 17, I received Jesus Christ into my heart. Punk, heathen kid that had all the wrong intentions, was dating this cute, curly-headed girl who went to church. And uh, I went to church. I got saved, had my own Jesus encounter, and uh, it was one of those things that changed my life forever. Now, I had heard of heaven. I had heard of hell. But something happens when you have an authentic, genuine encounter with the living God, you know what I mean? The Son of God comes in your life, the Savior of the world, that all of a sudden you get a realization that, man, I'm going to heaven, but what about all of my family, right? It's like hell. Not only does heaven become super real, but hell becomes super real. And I don't know if we totally have a grasp or actually believe that people are going to hell. For me, I did. Man, I preached to everyone. I was in, uh, I was in the auto class in Votech. I graduated from Broken Arrow. It's just where my family grew up. Uh, and so that's where I went. And uh, we had a, a situation where you could, you could go half a day to the Limley campus down on Memorial. And uh, why they let a bunch of 17, 18-year-olds do that, I don't know. But we drove to Tulsa every day. And, um, and I can remember sitting in the auto class and just witnessing to all of my friends you're going to hell, right? 17, like that's an effective measure. You're going to hell, you know? And it wasn't that I was trying to put the fear of God in him. I just didn't want him to go to hell, right? And I can remember praying for my, my parents, you know? I just didn't want my parents to go to hell. I didn't want my little brother to go to, to, go to hell. And it was so real to me that I just, I just had to rescue his as many people as I could, right? Well, I was a laborer that Jesus was praying for. And quite honestly, I actually, I actually led a lot of people to Christ even before God called me into ministry because there was this burning desire on the inside of me. We have a friend that is close to us that she was recently just believing God for her dad. Like she's had a great relationship with her father all of, his, all of, all of their life. And uh, she, just, she just wanted to know that she knew that she knew that she knew that her dad was going to heaven. And so we all locked arms, and we prayed, and we believed God with her like he would have this encounter with Jesus. Because he's getting older, and, you know, um, he's going to go see Jesus, ideally, uh, when he dies. You guys know that, that you're going to live forever, no matter what. You will live forever. We just get to choose where we live. 
You get to choose your retirement future address, heaven or hell. And so she wanted her dad to go to heaven. And so we prayed, and it wasn't long after we prayed that she got news that her father actually had this encounter with Jesus. And like they're talking about Jesus now. And it's this moment that everybody goes, yes, because you want to know. You want to know that your friends and your family are good. But then you're like, well, but what about all the people who like, like their life now, like that's heaven and that's great and that's eternity. But what about now? They're making terrible decisions right now. Can I pray? Can I do? Is there anything I can do to change the behavior or the actions of people that I love that are just imploding on the inside? Have you, and this, maybe I'm the only one, but have you ever just prayed that God would show up and just, pardon the phrase, scare the crap out of people? You know what I mean? Like, I want them to show up, like God to show up in a very supernatural way that you get, you get goosebumps behind your earlobes, right? Just something powerful to happen that they are just like, oh my gosh, there is a God, and they fall on their face, and they, they get saved. Like, I... I've prayed those prayers before, that an angel would show up and and just get their attention, right? Well, that actually happened in the Bible. In in Daniel chapter 5, we read a story. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them, right? So what's the Bible saying? He threw a party. That's what he did. thousand of his friends, they all showed up. He threw a party. He had taken over for his father, King Nebuchadnezzar, right? And so he's throwing this party while Belshazzar, that's a hard one to say, Belshazzar, wow, was drinking his wine. He gave orders to bring in the gold and the silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that they had taken from the temple of God, okay? So they're not just like just gold cups. Like these are things, these were articles taken from the temple of God. And now they're just, they're pouring wine in them and they're like, hey, you know, they're having this party, right? So the king, uh, so that the king and his nobles and his wives, they could drink for them, right? I lost my place. Um, As they drank the wine, They uh, praised the gods of gold and silver and of bronze and iron and wood and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared just right in front of them. You can imagine like, bro, what's in this drink, right? Because they all see the fingers of a human hand just appear right in front of them and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, I can imagine, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking, right? Like totally freaked out, goosebumps on the back of his earlobes. Like in this moment, like this happens. Now, the finger chisels into the plaster, which is what was on the palace walls, this warning to him. And like it got his attention. 
We want those kinds of things to happen, don't we? We want God to move in a supernatural, in a real way, to get their attention. Well, the Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16, something that you need to know about you and about how this can happen for your, for your friends and your loved ones. The Bible says that the prayer of a righteous person, well, that's you, that's me. We, we're not righteous because we act really good and pray 12 hours a day. The Bible says we're righteous. We've been made righteous through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So he's actually talking about you. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So whether you think your prayers are working or not, the Scripture says if you're righteous, which God made you righteous through Jesus, your prayers are powerful and effective. The New Living Translation says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The Amplified says it this way, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Man, I can remember praying for people. I, I was praying for you, and I was praying. You know, we have this thing where you can fill out on the connection cards, which are back there on those little easels. You can put prayer requests on there. And then when we pray, we, we pray for the prayer requests. And some of you posted, man, I'm believing God for so, so-and-so to have an encounter with Jesus. And I can remember praying, and this has been uh, a few years ago, and I was praying and I was believing God for people. And I'm like, God, do, they, do you even hear these prayers? Like, I'm wrestling. Like, I know that you did not create us as mindless robots, that all you have to do is, is flip a switch, and then all of a sudden, oh, now we love God. Like, first we love the devil or the world or whatever, and now we love God. It's like it doesn't happen that way. And so I'm like, God, if you're not into witchcraft, if you're not into mind control, if, you're not, if you can't just make someone, you know, love you, then then why am I praying all of this? Like, is it even working? And I believe God showed me something, and I want to talk to you about that this weekend. I want to talk to you about what God showed me, and specifically about that handwriting on the wall. I've heard stories of, of churches getting together and just believing God. There was an old-time man of God pastoring in Texas, and he was, he was at a prayer meeting in his church, and he could tell that the prayer meeting was kind of getting a little routine. People would show up at the same time. They'd leave at the same time. And the, the presence of God that used to be on fire and filled the church and people would storm, you know, the gates of hell or whatever. You know, they, would, they just kind of lost some of that. And so he decided to change it up. And he passed out note cards to everybody at the prayer meeting that night. And he says, I want you to write the name of one person in this community or in your family or your friend that you know that does not have a relationship with Jesus. Easter's coming. We're going to write those names down. We're going to spend every time, every prayer meeting from now till Easter praying for them, calling their name out, making much power available to them, right? And so they did. They prayed for him. He said out of all the cards turned in that Easter, he said all but three of them got saved at Easter. And those three others, they all came within the next year, and they all three also received Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the power of prayer. That's the power of prayer. And so you're like, so if God doesn't do mind control, then something must be going on. Prayer works. 
They all came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Well, here's what I believe. I believe that every person who has ever been born, who has ever been created on the earth, has this inherent desire on the inside of them to know God and to long for God. Like it's this homing beacon on the inside of them that's constantly blipping. You know what I mean? It's like, come get me, Lord. Like I just want to know you. And you're like, well, pastor, there's a lot of people out there who make fun of all of us because we actually believe in God. Oh, yeah, but on there, there's going to be a day. There's going to be a day. When they're going to, the Bible says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They're going to have a day when that, when that on the inside of them, they were, they're going to go, I knew something was there. I knew something was there. We see it, Genesis 1, 27, God created mankind that way. He created us in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. And because he created them, there's a longing, I think, inside of us to be with him. Jeremiah 1.15, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. So God has got a plan for all of us. He said, you know what he says to you? Before you were even born, I knew you. And I put that little something on the inside of you that's drawing you to me. That's drawing, that's hungering for the things of God. Psalm 139, 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Inside of every single person, there's already a knowing. There's already something there. And for some, I think it just needs to be activated again. It's like when you go fly on an airplane and they tell you to put the little life jacket on, you know, and in, in the event of a water landing, they don't say a water crash. In the event of a water landing, because we're going to land this thing, you know what I mean? And in the event of a unlike, in the unlikely event, they like to put that, in the unlikely event of a water landing, you will have a life jacket wherever it's at, put it on. The water will activate its little beaker, you know what I mean? It'll activate the little light. I think your prayers activate the little homing beacon inside of people who, for whatever reason, has, has shut it off. You know what I'm saying? I think your prayers activate that or at least amplifies that in our lives. But sin separated us. Sin has turned that little beacon. And I don't think you can actually ever turn it off, but it definitely dulls that. Our actions, our heart, our perverse thinking. Daniel chapter 5, again, this is that story of, of Nebuchadnezzar. It's talking about when his heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he behaved arrogantly. What happened? His heart was lifted up. He behaved so arrogantly. His heart was moved. His heart changed. Jeremiah 5.23 says, uh, but this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and departed. A lot of people ask me the question, well, pastor, you think you can get unsaved? I mean, if you've been saved, can you get unsaved? I definitely think that, man, once you have an encounter with God, like you are saved, like God has rescued you. But according to Scripture, people actually turn from God. Like people who knew better, like turn away from God. 
turn their heart against him. And that's what the Bible's talking about. Their heart gets funky. Their brain, their mind gets funky. Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14, he did evil. Why? Because he did not set his heart to what? Seek the Lord. So there's a lot of references in Scripture about your heart condition and how you have control over it and how you can be devoted to the things of God, that we are to be devoted to seek the Lord. We have a choice in the matter. So even in the original design of man, his, his heart was to love, to love our Creator. And God wanted to build a relationship with us, and we wanted to build a relationship with Him. Sin has come and separated us from God. And if we don't understand who Jesus is, and, and we never have a relationship with Jesus, then, then what happens is, is we just wander around aimlessly, and that's where a lot of people that you love are today. This is why Jesus said, listen, the harvest is ready. It's ready. They just need someone to have a conversation with them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 says, All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God is like, listen, they're ready. You should go have a conversation with them. You should, you should activate that beacon on the inside of their heart again. The harvest is, he says, listen, trust me, they're ready. Now, I do believe there are some things that are going on in people's lives besides the unregenerated hearts. The Bible tells us that there are things going on. That's not just someone's, you know, just making dumb decisions. The Bible says things like Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I believe that there are some people that are just flat out deceived. They're just deceived. And I believe the devil is working overtime on them. You know the devil's not interested in your happiness, right? He's not interested in your well-being. He's not interested in your happily ever after. And he sure is not interested in you spending eternity with God. And so he tries to mingle and meddle with things, right? I remember a story in our life. So we were, this is years ago. We weren't even living here in Mays County yet. And uh, we had some friends, and we were spending time with them. And, like, life was great. We were, we were, we were the same people. You know what I mean? And um, something happened to the wife of the couple that we were friends with. And I can't tell you anything, like there was no noticeable experience other than one day she just blew a fuse. Like on the inside of her, she just blew a fuse. And she took it out on my wife, who if you've met my wife, is the sweetest, you know, I mean, she's a firecracker, don't get me wrong, but it's just the sweetest, will love you into a corner type person. And she became so mean-spirited at my wife and so targeted at her everywhere. She would glare. We're, we're in church. We're in God's house, right? And we would all sit in the same section. And she would just, uh, Tyra would try to reach out, and she would call her name. 
And the girl would just look at her and do that girl glare. You know what I'm talking about, that girl? That, just that shoot lasers through your soul thing. And she would just, huh, and just walk, just mean. And most people would take that moment as, oh, that's the way it is now? Fine. And then return the glaring glares. You know what I mean? Like anytime you see them in Walmart, there's the glare. Huh, whatever. But Tyra recognized that something else was going on. And she recognizes that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. She recognized that someone was, like the enemy was waging war, not only on their friendship, but on her, that young lady's heart. And so Tyra began to pray the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person for her. Instead of saying, oh, well, if that's the way it is now, then fine. She would pray for her. And she would, she would petition heaven for her. And then she would use, because Jesus said, I've given you authority. I've given you I've authority to use my name. You've got the same authority that I had. So anything that you say in my name, it will happen. And she would speak. She would say, devil, you take your hands off my friend. I come against you. I pray that the eyes of her understanding are enlightened. And guys, I'm telling you, we were sitting in church. They were sitting in the front row. We were sitting in a row behind them. And it's like something hit her one day. And it's like, it's like a light bulb clicked on. She had been living in such total darkness. She had that aha moment. She's, she, she, she turns around and she looks at Tyra and she's got tears in her eyes. And she says, I am so, so sorry. I have been so mean to you. I've been so ugly to you. I've talked about you to other people. And I don't know what came over me. But I, I need you to forgive me. What if Tyra hadn't prayed? What if Tyra hadn't taken authority over whatever was going on in her life? They're great friends to this day because Tyra ignited. She was willing to pray. She was willing to get into the trenches and not take no for an answer and believe God. People can be deceived. We see that in Scripture. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals, and the Lord God had made. So he said, the serpent said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? Right? Did God, is, that what, is that really what God say, said? Well, if you go read it, that's actually not what God said. God said don't even touch it. That's what God said. Don't touch the tree. The serpent's trying to twist his words. Did he say not to eat it? Because you should probably eat it. And he's been doing that all throughout history. Did God really say? Did your husband, is that what he really meant? Or was there something else he's saying there in those words that he's trying to just jab it a little bit? Is, your, is that what your boss really meant? And what is he doing? He's twisting the words. You know what I mean? He's been doing it throughout history where he twists the words and he gets us thinking, well, maybe that's not what they meant. Maybe they do mean bad. Maybe, maybe they are a terrible person, right? No. 
The devil has been twisting the thoughts and the minds and the hearts of people for generations. But Paul recognizes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, I'm afraid just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, that your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Some people, I feel like the, if, if, they don't, if they don't make a conscious decision to love God and they just start allowing their minds to wander, they get out of fellowship in church, which is why it grieves my heart that so many people leave church. And I know why they're leaving. They're leaving because it's not, they're not mad at God. They're mad at God's people. And so they'll leave church. And, and what happens is it's not, it's not any time at all. Then all of a sudden, it's like their mind starts to get deceived. And they start to kind of leave what Scripture says their sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Proverbs talk about those who were deceived like uh, this, Proverbs 6.14, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil and who spreads strife. It's possible for the devil to blind people. And so, so many of our friends and so many of our loved ones are blinded. And we're like, well, what do we do? We don't want to just take no for an answer. We don't want to just say, well, that's just the way they are. I hope someday God gets a hold of them. That's one way. Or we can be those who, like the Bible says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We can recognize that prayer actually changes things. That your prayers actually change things. That God hears you. And I think that's the problem in the church today is we're like, we're going to leave the praying up to the professionals. No, 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 no. The only prerequisite for prayer is the prayer of a righteous person. A righteous person. Well, I'm not very righteous, Pastor. Jesus made you righteous. You just forgot. <clears throat> when you have an encounter with God, it changes you. It changes your behavior. And the only way that you'll know that is to be in his presence, is to be in the presence of God. Listen, friends, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, prayer activates the beacon inside of people. What's going to happen when we die? We will open our eyes in glory. We will go to heaven if we've made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. That's what the, we got chapter and verse all the way through scripture that talks about that. If we reject Jesus, we will open our eyes in hell. It's the way it is. It's just, well, we don't believe in hell. Why? Like, where are you getting your information? Because according to my book, there is one, and I don't want to go there. I don't want anybody else that I love. or I don't want anybody. I don't want my worst enemy to go to hell because it's forever. When they have an encounter with God, it doesn't matter how bad of a person they are, they're going to go, okay, I was wrong. I need Jesus. Because one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, everyone will know, oh, this was real. But I don't want to wait for that day. And so something's been moving us as a church. Something's been moving us as a staff. In fact, last Wednesday night, we had a service right here. And um, it, was, it was different. It was
was a different experience. If you're not coming, listen to me from, from the pastor. If you're not making last Wednesday night experiences a priority, you're missing most of what your place church is doing. It's just once a month. I'm here every weekend. No, no, no. You're missing most of what God is doing at your place church. Because he's taking us places. He's taking us places. You're like, well, why doesn't he take his places on the weekend? He does take his places on the weekend. But he's told us very specifically what our weekend focus is and what our last Wednesday focus is. And then as of last weekend, I took about 30 of our staff out to Frontier Cove. We had an encounter with the presence of God. And we realized that this is all because about this time last year, we really started hitting our knees in prayer. The reason why our services are packed out on the weekend, it's not because, you know, the pastor is a snappy dresser and really good preacher. That's not what it is at all. I mean, that helps, but that's not what it is. It's because we've been praying. It's because we've been interceding. It's because we've been, we've been imploring the presence of God. We've created moments on Tuesday where people can come and engage the presence of God from 12 to 1. And that's been good. And we've created moments on Sunday morning from 8.40 to about 9-ish, so about like 20 minutes there where people can come and, and engage the presence of God. But we've realized, like we're trying to push people to third service because these services are full. We need people to go to third service. And so we're not making it convenient to pray. We have a prayer at 840 in the morning, but we need you to come to the 130 service. It's just not convenient. And I get that. And there are super spiritual people that's like, well, your relationship with God shouldn't be convenient. I understand that. But we have a lot of people who are still trying to figure out God. And an encounter in his presence would do that. So, we've made a decision in an effort to make prayer more convenient for all of our church-like family. We are going to start a prayer movement in our church on Wednesday nights. So, instead of a last Wednesday, we're going to do all the Wednesdays now. Amen, everyone. That's what we're excited about. We're excited about it. And we're like, well, we, we can't really like last Wednesday. Yeah, but what if every Wednesday was last Wednesday? You know what I'm saying? If every Wednesday was last Wednesday, we would all really like Wednesday services as well. And so this is where we're going. And we're going to start it in May. And so starting in May, we're just going to, Taylor has a prayer life group ministry that happens on Thursday nights. He's just going to move that to Wednesdays. He's not shutting it down. He's just moving the day. And all the students that are like, what about uproar? First Wednesday uproar. Woo, like uproar. Like uproar still going to happen. We're just going to move it away from Wednesdays. And, uh, and, and Wednesdays, the whole focus of it is going to be lighting the beacon inside of people's lives. Every time in Scripture that we see that a group of people got together to pray, to lock arms, God would move. Like your prayers are powerful and effective. But there's even more scripture that talk about corporate prayer. 
that when a body of believers gets together and they pray with the same direction and the same focus, how, how much more powerful it is. We see it all the way through the first few chapters of Acts. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and breaking of bread, and to prayer. See, we, we like weekend services because, man, the worship team comes in. They do a great job. And the announcement girls, they're kind of funny when they remember their announcements. You know what I mean? And whatever. And the videos are cool. And pastor comes up and makes me feel good. We get immediate response from that. We like our life groups because we sit around and we laugh and we have these moments and we pray together. But I think the reason why we're not so focused and committed to prayer is because we don't think there's an immediate result when there is. God's moving us. Amen, everyone. The best way to go reach people who we feel are unreachable is to pray for them. Believe God for them. And then pray for a moment that you can just open it up and say, hey, I've been praying for you. What's going on? And God's been using some of our people to get like a supernatural word. And what does that mean? Like God will show them something specifically that they're going through. Anxiety, depression, fear. Fear's a big one. And someone come up and start a conversation. Hey, man, I just feel like you've been going through some fear. Are you, are you, are you afraid of something? Yeah, actually, that's weird that you would say that. I've been thinking about blah da 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 How did you know? I was just praying for you. That opens up the door for people. Listen, friends, we've got an amazing opportunity in four weekends. April 21st is Easter 2019. We've got four services that weekend. Everybody's got to choose a service time. Sorry, that's just the way it is. We're going to squeeze them all as close to the sunrise as we can. You know what I mean? And so I think um, they'll tell you whatever the times are. I don't want to get them wrong. I just know there's four of them. i got to preach four times, and I'm stoked. God's got four opportunities to reach people. Amen? This is what I'm asking you to do. Believe God with us. Come and pray. Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock, starting in May. We're going to pray. We're going to intercede. We're going to watch God move. Amen? Prayer changes people. Changes situations. Father, we love you. And Father, right now, as we, as we think about all the people that we encounter on a day-in and a day-out basis, God, we are reminded that the harvest truly is plentiful. But gosh, the laborers are few, Father. And you said that we were to pray for the laborers. Meaning this, God, that right now there are more people who would say yes to a relationship with you if someone would just lead them, if someone would just ask them, if someone would just build a relationship with them, if someone would just pray for them. So, Father, we are accepting that challenge. We are those who are going to pray and intercede and believe God and start conversations. So, Father, I pray that you begin setting up this divine interactions right now divine intersections between us and people that you are already working on in in their hearts by your spirit, Father. We're trusting you to do that in Jesus' name, God. Prove yourself once again in the lives of people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Are you guys with me in this? All right.
Because you know what's going to break your pastor's heart? I get here on a Wednesday night and it's just the pastor, all right? I break my heart, so don't, don't leave me. Don't leave me at the throne of God by myself. I'm believing God for a movement to happen. Hey, listen, we're going we're gonna to worship God with our giving today. And I was reminded of a scripture. Before I get into it, everybody look up here. See the dark, the, the light, the box right there, the lit box up in the... That's the new ductwork coming in. Come on, the egg. Here we go. Air conditioner's here. So we're going to set it all up, plug it all in. The ductwork's coming across this way. All of the demo is like we've got... We've, so this is, this is the latest. We got a uh, email from the fire marshal, the state fire marshal, because that's who we have to go up. We're outside of the... The, uh, the city limits, so we have to go through the state. And I told you guys that kind of the, the holdup this whole time has been like, we just need them to say, okay, go. And so now we got an email saying something along the lines of, we are currently reviewing your application. We'll take it, amen. Like, yes, yeah, review it, make whatever suggestions you want, just sign the document. That's all we need you to do is sign the document. And then it is a party over here. So. Um, they did tell me that once, once we get that, that green light, it's going to be roughly about six months. And then we are going to be over there hanging out, drinking coffee in our new coffee shop, having life group gatherings over in our area. We're going to be up in the kids' theater. All the kids are going to be up there. They're going to be trying to use the wheelchair lift, but we're going to tell them not to play with the wheelchair lift. Don't do That's not a toy. They're going to be up there in their state-of-the-art children's theater, our brand-new children's check-in. Like, it's coming. Amen. It's coming. And listen, we want to roll right into phase two after that. But in order for that to happen, we got to pay off phase one, which is 1.2 million. And so that's what we're believing, God. It's not my responsibility to beg you, push on you, plead with you, write you letters. I don't do that. I'm just, I just make the, I just make the, the need available. And I just say, you, know, you guys just pray about it. It's his building. It's his renovation. It's his money. We just obey. Father, we love you. And we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. God, we worship you with our giving. Father, you said in your word, Psalm 35, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them continually say, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his saints. Lord, thank you that you take pleasure funneling assets through us, God, so we can build your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Stand up with us. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.